a generous faith. If you have a Bible, go to the book of 2 Corinthians, and uh, we're going we're gonna to start there. If you have notes in your bulletin, you'll want to take those out as well, because you want to take some good notes. I am so delighted that you're here, and it's great to hear your voices sing and praise to God, and it's good to uh, just lift our hearts in prayer. Let's do that once again. So Father, as we, as we take the Word of God in our hands, now we pray you'd press it into our hearts and our minds. So we'll talk about it when we walk, when we sit down, when we lie down, we'll talk about it at the dinner table. We will contemplate the Word, and may it be alive in our lives, because we know it is quick, it's powerful, it's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It seems to know us better than we know ourselves. There are moments we read the word and, it, and we realize it's talking right to us. So may that happen again today. And may we be people who leave here as different somehow, having a greater amount of faith to do greater things in our society, which desperately needs Jesus. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Church says amen. 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 Well, I have children. How many of you once were a child? Okay, good. Uh, you know, our kids went to school, and it's a good thing, but our kids got an education they could never get in school. I mean, it was way better. You know what it was? It's called their first job. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. And there's a reason they call it a minimum wage, because they do minimum work, okay? And oftentimes, if you, if if you hire first-time employees, you know you have to go back and do it again, and that's why they have to overstaff. And many kids get their start in fast food, and um, that's an okay thing to do. It's, it's, it's a great way to pass the time. Plus, you get to eat all the fries that land on the floor. It's a good, it's a good thing. So, uh, okay, done with that now? All right, good. Well, my, so several of my children have had fast food jobs. And one of them, uh, I picked them up after work one day. And uh, uh, she hopped in the car. She was just ecstatic. I said, what's up? What's up with this? Because it's just, oh, it's a great day, you know. And... And uh, I said, well, why are you so perky? And she says to me, well, you're never going to believe this, but I, I, got, I work drive-thru. She loves to work drive-thru, you know. And um, I get to work drive-thru. And this person went up to drive-thru, and as they're going through, they paid for the person behind them. Is that cool? Is that neat? It's very, very kind, very generous. And so when the person came up, they were happy. They were giddy leaving. They got their bag of stuff, and they drove away. And, and so the next person comes, you say, well, you don't owe anything. Why? Because that car pulling out just paid for your, your dinner. And they said, well, then I'd like to pay for the guy behind me. And then they got giddy. And then they, they got their bag of stuff and they drove away. And, and then the next one would come up and it would happen again. And she said, it kept happening. She says, just kept happening. And everybody in the store was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pay it forward. So they, in that case, pay it backward. I don't know how you did that. But anyway... <laughs> They were doing it, and it was just an exciting thing because the the people got the food they wanted, plus they didn't have to pay for what they got, but they got the joy of paying for the next one. So they left not only with the bag of food, but with a happy heart. They were leaving like super satisfied customers, you know. And this went on for like a dozen cars in a row, and then finally that one came through. <laughs> they just went. They, they paid for my dinner. Do I, do I know them? It's like that. Their faith won't go up. It only goes down. And they paid for my food. Uh, oh, okay. Well, and they took their bag and drove away. And that was it. And, I, and it was interesting, because I'm kind of a student of psychology, and I said, what happened in the restaurant? And she said, we all got sad. <laughs> 
because it ended. So then they were like chanting, let's do it again. You know, it's and like they were thinking, let's, let's pay for one and lie to them about the people up there. They, just, to, just to start the chain again, you know, to see if it'll work. Isn't, isn't that a great education? Generous people are happier people, not only because they get what they ordered in life, but they get to pay it forward. They get a bounce in their step. Somehow it changes their own heart, puts a smile in their own heart. And you know that to be true. You know the moments in your life when you've been super generous, you, you're taller. You're, you're just more handsome. You look better. There's a spring in your step because you're generous. And that's what I want to talk about maybe all during the year. I, I don't know, but I think this is a theme we have to go back to. And I've said this before. We are not, uh, we are not a stingy congregation, never have been. We are at times strapped. And I find that about families. They're not stingy. They're not tight one. There are times that we're strapped, right? Because right now, you know it. Christmas is over, and the goose is not getting fat, right? The mail's coming in with the little windows from Christmas, right? And you know what that means. You, you are not stingy. There are just moments in your life that you're strapped. But, but the Lord supplies our needs, and every time we have found him to meet our needs, he, just, he doesn't let the... The hungry go. He attends to his own. And that's, that's maybe the message we need to hear all during the year because we have a generous God who is generous with the faith, and that's where we are. So if you have a Bible, go with me to Second Corinthians. You're there, chapter 9. And in this context, you have to get the context down. Apostle Paul's talking to a church, church in Corinth, and he's saying, you, you need to give... And then, then he illustrates it. I'll pick it up at verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you decide in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Get that. Not reluctantly. Ah, dang it. I have to give. No, because God loves a cheerful giver. I told you this uh, a week ago. When we had baptisms a few weeks ago, and we had people tell their faith stories of Jesus Christ, I said to the person, I said, that doesn't want me make, it made me want to put money in the plate. It makes me want to throw money in the plate. Because God loves, like, dang, that's what it's about. That's what I give towards, is to change life. A guy who lost his way and comes to Christ, a spouse, a husband and wife restore their marriage. A guy gets off drugs. A kid understands his his purpose in life in light of his family situation, all in the waters of baptism. You hear those stories, you say, this is the faith I want to give towards. This is the kind of ministry, because God loves a cheerful giver. By the way, when someone demands of you a payment, when they send you a bill, take it to the circular file. I'm telling you that as your pastor. Because your giving is a spiritual devotion piece. You have to decide in your own heart, verse 7, what you're giving. That puts a huge responsibility on you to walk with God, to listen to God, to hear the voice of God. When God prompts for your heart to be so sensitive that you can act. So you see, maybe that's why some churches send the bill, because the hearts are stone cold. And it just doesn't work. The pleas don't work, and the giving doesn't work. Why? It's not a giving issue. It's a heart issue at that point. It's a generosity issue. You see, much more is at stake than dollars and cents. 
God wants you to be sensitive in your own heart to what he prompts. And he wants you to respond, but not like, okay, I'll do it this one time. No, God loves a cheerful giver. What kind of, what kind of giver does God love? God loves what? Cheerful. A cheerful giver. So when we pass the offering plates, people have been going, yeah, baby, yeah. Try that sometimes, see how it goes. See if people move away from you at church. Yeah. Verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, get that, all, 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 you will abound in every good work. Now, you get that? He's not saying you will abound in every good lottery ticket. By the way, you're not here, are you? You wouldn't be here if you won last night. You'd be out somewhere else, right? It doesn't say you'll abound in all richness or you'll abound in moving up in lifestyle. You'll abound because God blesses you. You'll abound in good works. You get that? In other words, this isn't for you to keep. Hope you get that. You're in the drive-thru and you're getting the blessing. So now will you bless? See, that's the illustration, right? Or will you just keep it and drive away? Some people will just keep it and drive away. And then they end the cycle of the blessing and take all the air out of the room. Now, God supplies the needs. Look at this. God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all times and all things you're abounding in every good work. And, and God is able to bless you. He is able to bless you. Get that. No one loves you more. No one is out for your good more than he is. So he will take care of you. Now, you may have to cut expenses, and you may have to drive an older car, or cut from two cars down to one car, or you may not be able to buy the clothing that you want, or go to the school that you like, but God is still up for good in your life, and God will use those things for good in your life. And because he blesses us to every good work, some have come to believe that he blesses us for our own benefit, and that's not true. You are blessed to be a blessing. Boy, if you get nothing else, that's worth the trip. You are blessed to be a blessing, to bless somebody else in every good work. This is more than just the money now. Now that money is transferring into influence and power and the ability to change society and affect it for good. This is how caring for those outside of Christ happens. This is how showing mercy happens because it, it, it fuels your funding, actually fuels all that good work. So don't stop the flow. Verse 10. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for uh, food to, will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Get that again. See the word picture he uses? He's saying he'll give you the seed. Not, that's not the finished product. You may have to work at it. You're saying, well, I'm not rich. Yes, but you have the seed. It's called a job. That gives you the potential to produce. You have creative thoughts. You have a a extra time. Those are all seeds which are part of your storehouse, which enlarge your harvest, and that harvest is not for your richness, it is for your, what's it say, righteousness. Get this? It's for you to live the holy life. Verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way so that you'll be generous on every occasion. Wouldn't it be great to, if, if the society knew when they drive by, there's a car that has an SBC sticker on it. Whew, there's some generous people. There's some generous people. You know, I could name some people in town, some Christians in town, and they're just generous kind of people, kind to the core people. And they use what God has given to them to bless others for good works and for works of righteousness. It's a bumper crop of not riches, a bumper crop of righteousness. 
So let me give you f- kind of four things that are happening here within this text. Um, first thing that I'm seeing is this. It begins with a generous God. All throughout history, go all the way back to early, early history, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, Lord our God, all this abundance has been provided for building you a temple for your holy name that comes from your hand. He's say, they're saying, we're building the temple and we've been blessed, but we know it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. They knew it from early on. Again, Psalm 145, they celebrate your abundant goodness. All of generosity begins with God. That's number one. Number two, he extends a generous provision. That's what God does. He outdoes himself. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is poured out on me abundantly, Paul writes to Timothy. The grace is poured out abundantly. Think about that. Have you ever thought about just when you, have you ever had something just like tip and spill on you just a little bit? I've had that. Where just, and then you just go, oh, I'll pat right off, get a, a, you know, a little napkin or something, just pat right off. I did that ALS challenge a year and a half ago. A good friend of mine, Steve Murky, has got ALS. We wanted to do it in his. They didn't just pat me with a little water. You know what they did? They took ice cold water. The water was colder than the ice, if that were possible. And they poured it over me. I mean, it was all over every bit of clothing. Pray for that guy, because I'm still out to get him that did that to me. Do you understand the difference? It's poured over. I hope you get the difference. This is not just a little spat you can clean up with a kitchen dish towel. No, this is poured over. And in Old Testament pictures, it's like if it were anointing of oil on the guy, it, they'd even say it drips down the beard. That's how it's poured over. There's so much of it. Can't saturate it quickly enough. He's saying the grace of God has been poured out on us, and it's abundant in its grace, it's in its pouring in faith and love in Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3. I love this verse. These verses, you need to commit these to, to memory. But the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, and he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out on us, get that, generously, through Jesus Christ our Savior. You are not saved in and of your own self. You see, this, this generosity begins with God, and he outdoes himself by giving to us Christ. And Christ goes to every corner of our lives. When Christ came, he cleansed us of our sins, and he poured out on us generously. And we know our spiritual crud, don't we? We know it. We know the depth of our own ugliness. Uh, I'm a man. I own a power washer. Any, any other men in the house? Oh my gosh. I love my power washer. It will take crud off of anything. There is one problem with it, though. If you're not thinking while you're using it, it'll take the skin off your hands. I got some crud on me one time, and I don't know what possessed me. I'm, I got crud on my hand. I just spray that off. My hand went away. It was very clean as it hit the wall. But it went far, far away. I mean, I think I lost the fingerprint. You know how, it goes, it's just, you know how a sprayer is? And I don't have monster sprayers like some of you guys. You guys have, 
gas, power, super hydrogen infused. I used to have a little electric job. You know, I, I couldn't be trusted with more than 110 you know, volts because I'd electrocute myself with all that water. So I, used, I do small amounts. But my power washer will get crud off of stuff. It, and, and it gets crud off of stuff that I, it looked clean to me. You ever had that where you clean? And you get done cleaning, you go, oh my gosh, I left the power washer in a spot and it, like it overcleaned it. You know, and now it's like really white, the siding of your house or an appliance, you know, like I, I power wash my mower and I, I, I pull, when Wanda's not home, I pull out the couch, you know. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. But, but you understand the point. You, all of a sudden it's like brighter. It's like, I never knew my grill could be this clean. And then you leave that in a spot and it gets even cleaner. I, okay. That's the abundant grace of Christ. I know it's a lousy illustration, but it pours out, it power washes in a way that cleans it even cleaner than you knew it to be. Because you know the crud in your life. And you know, oh, if I could just get rid of this one thing, and the Lord knows, oh no, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's bigger stuff below that. You just don't know about it yet. And I'll clean all that out. He washed us and he saved us by his mercy and his grace. So generosity begins with God. And then he outdoes himself by giving to us Christ. And then thirdly, we are taken by that kind of generous grace. Because it doesn't stop at salvation. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, of the gift of righteousness, reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? This just doesn't stop. The more I get to know, the more he cleanses me. He just keeps giving to me, not just his salvation, but for even Christian living. Even when I don't know what to do. Even when I don't know what to do, the Bible tells me. Anyone lacks wisdom, he gives it to all people, and he doesn't stop there. He gives generously to all, and he does it. I, I feel so stupid because I don't know what to do, so I tell God, I don't know what to do, and I feel dumb, and he gives me wisdom generously, and it says, no mistake in the wording here, without finding fault, James writes. In other words, he doesn't point a finger and say, you should have known that by now. You should have had that wisdom by now. He doesn't do that. He just gives you the wisdom. It's one of the reasons we don't even ask, because we feel so guilty, like, I should know the answer to this. I don't know. Generosity begins with God. It overwhelms us to realize Jesus is the embodiment of that generosity, and then he keeps giving to us generously, even in wisdom points. And you know what that should do? Number four, it should make us become generous people. We just should be, we can't, we shouldn't, can't help ourselves. We just should be generous. Why? Because the Lord has poured generously on us. We can't help but keep it going. That should happen, I'm thinking, at least through three different ways. Through giving. Back to chapter 9, verse 6 again. You reap sparingly. You're going to sow sparingly. You're going to reap sparingly. Through giving. But then, secondly, through service. Now, he who supplies the seed and the sower and the bread, the food will also supply the increase and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, it's just now cash crop. This is about the good works. It will result in thanksgiving to God. Actually, you're giddy over the thanksgiving piece to God. But what really happens is you begin to make an impact, not just because of your giving and not just because of your service, but you become an influencer for good. Wouldn't it be cool to be an influencer for good? Just 
because of the generosity of God in your own life. Through this service, you perform, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 9. It's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Get that? Just overflowing in many expressions. Because of the service, you see how it's translated now? It's, it's working itself out. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God. Get this? You'll have influence. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and you and everyone else, and in their prayers for you and their hearts. You know what they're going to do? They're going to start praying for you. Why? Because you were so kind to them. You know, I, that does happen with me. It's happened with me. I'll tell you. Someone's been kind to me, and I end up asking God, bless them. Why? So they could be a blessing to someone else. The service that you perform is not only supplying to your needs, you and I have no idea, we have no idea the impact we could have with what God puts in our hands of meeting the needs of others. But those expressions are are of giving thanks to God. I need you to understand this. Our society today is toxic when it comes to the obsession of becoming rich, of stepping up, and it shows itself in everything from jewelry and tennis shoes to automobiles to the ability to buy an island. It's, we've gone crazy with our obsessions. We collect things. And what does John Ortberg say in his book, his title of the book, at the end of the game, it all, goes, <laughs> it all goes back in the box. Everything that you collect, it all goes back in the box. And we're obsessed with that. That's our, that's our culture today. And so we are toxic. There is a, there's something within us that's not healthy, and you have to detox from that. Have you ever been sick and you just, you can't eat anything and all you're doing is you're drinking some water for a couple of days and then you finally move up to a little broth and maybe a little tea and then finally after a few days you've detoxed from that illness and it seems to have passed and then you get your first real meal. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, just think about it. Uh, Have you ever been that sick where your body is toxic, and then finally the fever breaks or your stomach turns right, and then you say, you know what, I think I could eat a small amount of, and then you, then you eat again for the first time in maybe two, three, four days, but you've been detoxed now. Doesn't that food taste amazingly great? Have you ever noticed that? Like, wow, this is vegetable soup. I just normally suck this down without even thinking about it. This is what a carrot tastes like and celery? It's pretty good. And the reason that's happening is because you've cleansed yourself of all the toxins. Not all of them, but enough to make you sick. So it is, if you'll do that spiritually and emotionally and financially, you'll find you can enjoy what God really does provide for you because you'll be healthy. And then you'll find other people, because you're a blessing to them, They will pray for you. And in their prayers, verse 14, in their hearts, they go out to you. People pray for you. Wouldn't it be cool, because you've blessed other people, that now they actually pray for me? 
it happens with me almost every week. I'm getting in the saddle to preach. I'm walking down a back hall. I'm greeting, and someone will just say, I got your back. I'm praying for you. And you know what? It, it does something to me to know uh, I've got someone at the throne of grace. Wouldn't it be cool if you knew that? And, it, and what happens ultimately, it's the end of the chapter here, is we say thanks to God. Why? And it has nothing to do with the money. And actually it has even less to do with the service and even less to do with the impact. Why? Because now we're just thankful for this indescribable gift, this gracious gift of God who is embodied in Jesus Christ, God's gift to us. We are thankful for the gospel. So, well, I thought about this and I thought, you know, um, I, I preach this message about being generous and being inv involved and somehow making a difference in society, but th that doesn't help you. So what I wanted to do was give you some handles on how you could become, because last week I talked about this, um, to serve somebody and help someone grow inside the body of SBC, but then do that same thing, have a power of influence on someone outside the body, which is good for you. Talked about that last week. Um, what I want to do today is I want to conclude by just giving you some handles on how you could have influence in people's lives, and I'm going to give to you some ways to do that. Uh, I've, I've invited um, representatives from Lifestyles and from Gideon's to join me on stage. So we're going to conclude our time by um, just chatting with them for a bit. Would you welcome the Gideons and Lifestyles people? Hi, how are you? This is Sandy. Hi. Say hello, Sandy. This is Ken. This is Chris. How you doing, man? Have a seat. Take my brains, dude. I'll take them. Thank you. And this is the other Chris. Everybody say, hi, other Chris. Hi, other Chris. It's a servant right there. Don't get this done without. All right, Sandy's with Lifestyles. And, uh, you're, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And Chris and Ken are, are with the Gideons. And uh, we'll talk about them in just a, a minute. And uh, I want to talk to you first about, um, I talked last week about 38. And uh, 38 is a project that we're I gave you three clues. And on the 24th, so in two weeks from today, we're actually going to unpack this, roll it out completely. So I want you to get ready for this. Because you've thought about, what could 38 bucks do a month? You know, it'd buy me some drive through coffee. You know, it would, it would buy dinner out. You might buy something else. But, but what if you could influence the life of a child, not just for his education and his health care, but it's church and his spirit as well. If you could do that for half a dozen years, and if we did that collectively, we could essentially reach a village. And we're talking about doing that in Guatemala. So in two weeks, we're going to talk about that. I gave you three clues last week. said I'd give you three more, but I didn't come up with three great clues because I'm not good at keeping secrets. That's why you don't give me the code to your lock at the office. Don't, don't do that because... Somehow, I'll forget it or give it away. So I, we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But that's called Children's Hope Chest. And Guatemala is the, the land. And two weeks from today, we're going to roll all that out. I just want you to pray about that. And, and some of you will sponsor a child. And some of you will have your children sponsor a child. So you'll pray for that child. 
And then some of you will take your vacation, get this, and you'll fly to Guatemala and spend three or four or five days there working at a soup kitchen there and helping out. And you will come back, and when you eat your first bowl of vegetable soup when you get back, it will taste so good because you'll be detoxed from the commercialism of the U.S., okay? All right, that's enough on Children's Hope Chest. You'll get more of that in the next couple weeks. Okay, how many of you have been in a hotel room and you've read a Gideon Bible? Okay, how many of you have stolen that Bible? No, don't raise your hand. I did that, Ken. I was hoping you were watching. The Gideons are how old of an organization? Uh, over 100 years. We started in 1899. 1899. So it was when my mom would have been a teenager. Yes, that's right. Some of you are just now getting that. Others are, shame on you. Others of you right now are emailing my mom right now. Yeah, that's okay. And, um, and, and you basically place Bibles everywhere, right? Right, everywhere. Hotels and hospitals. Yeah. Uh, we have some examples on the table outside. Uh, people who go into the military and induction centers to receive yeah. a Bible. One of your people cool. uh, said he has one. That he Neat. Carried, that he's wow, cool. So, so Chris, hi. How are we doing? I'm very well. Good. Tell us what's the big idea, and give me two or three major points they need to take away from this. The Gideons don't exist without the local church. So here at this congregation and in congregations in other communities around the U.S. and around the world, mm. it is the Gideons are formed by members of churches. So there are three real uh, major understandings that we would like all of our brothers and sisters in Christ to, to know about the Gideons. One is that we partner with the churches. The churches send forth the Gideons, which are um, men and their spouses. My wife Sabrina is in the Gideons. And we, we need continual prayer. As you know, the enemy is desiring for there to be no truth and no knowledge of the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the third thing is the Bibles that we are known for, which are almost 100%, not quite, paid for by the contributions that come from saints in the churches and from the Gideons and auxiliary themselves. And so we ask for the church, which is the ministry in its core, to send forth members, to lift up the Gideons in prayer, particularly for open doors so that God's word can go forth, and for the financial support to be there. As Ken just shared, we are at a point where we've just exceeded two billion copies of God's word distributed in the world. Praise two, God. Two billion. Two billion. That's huge. <laughs> and it is through the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ that such is possible yep. here in our local community and around the world where we're represented in over about 200 countries. But we are absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to be here to share with you, Pastor Dave, and your congregation 
that the Gideons, through your local church, are doing God's work and in need of continued support. So you're looking for prayer base. We can do that, right, church? And then giving, we can do that. And then, but you're looking for warm bodies. Warm bodies. We, yeah. We're looking around for some yeah. able and qualified yeah. men where God is leading you yeah. to join this ministry. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and uh, I just, we just talked recently about the app. This is really cool. Because I grew up with Gideons. I used to get a Gideon Bible. When I was a kid, I'd come out of school and they'd be on the, the sidewalk handing out Bibles. Anybody else get a Gideon Bible that way? Just me. Okay, good. No yeah. little testaments? Yeah, little testaments. And what does that testament cost? Okay, yeah. about $1.40 for a single testament. Yeah. About $5, though you haven't asked, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah, that's where I'm headed. About $5 to place a so when I, Bible in a hotel or in a hospital. Yeah, so when you go to Southern Maryland, there's a, a, a Bible there that's been touched by you guys, placed there, Praise and God, about yes. 5 bucks. Get, gets a Bible in a hospital room. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who need the Bible in hospital rooms, right? I mean, a lot of people will open a Bible there that wouldn't open it any other time. So it's a huge ministry there. Yeah. And we want you to take these Bibles. Those who don't have them, we want them to disappear from the hospitals and from the hotels. Yep. So don't feel that it is a criminal act. <laughs> 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 We're not watching, trust me. Okay, the, you must understand, SBC has no guilt level at all. None. We would t just, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yes, we're, okay, we want to, let's take a, like a one minute break. Let's do the, can we do the clip here? We should have done that. As the night fell, I was spotted by two men that I had robbed. They dragged me out of the car and they beat me. I opened up my door and on my front doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents and I was charged with a street value equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. I was a habitual felon, meaning that I had been in prison several times. I had several multiple felons that I had been prosecuted for. I had been told by my attorney that, um, that all hope was, was gone. Saturday morning, uh, a brave soldier came through, uh, probably one of the bravest men that I've ever met. In his hand, he had a little brown book. He said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He opened it to the back pages and shared with me the plan of salvation. He told me that the Lord loved me and he could forgive me of all my sin. I took that New Testament back to my cell and for the very first time, I opened up that New Testament and I read through the entire Gospel of Mark. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and he gave me that little book and told me to take it with me, told me to put my name on the back of it if I believed it, and uh, he turned and walked away. Gideons are men of your church, doing what they've been called to do. These are your testimonies. The Gideon Ministry expands your opportunities for evangelism in your community and beyond. When you participate in the Gideon Ministry through prayer, financial gifts, and membership, you dramatically expand the reach of your church. In fact, over the 100 plus years of the Gideon Ministry, you've enabled us to give away almost 2 billion copies of Scripture. Please join hands with us as together we become God's love in action, placing His Word across the street and around the world. 
don't know where all the millions of scripture has gone, but I know where one scripture has gone. And it landed in my hands. Because of you and the purpose and the plan of the Gideons, my whole life has changed. And it was that scripture that began the journey for me toward a life of obedience to Christ. Because it is the word of God that transforms lives. So you want to be involved in Gideon ministry, there's a booth in the lobby. You need to sign up today. Uh, couples want to go, go as a couple and be involved. Is that, is that good? Okay, thank you. Let me talk to you about another way you could be involved. It's through Lifestyles of uh, Southern Maryland. This is uh, Sandy Washington. She's the executive director at Lifestyles. And there, a lot of things happen at Lifestyles. But we're already involved there. So but bring us up to speed. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, uh, when, I, when I came in this morning, I said to a few folks here, I'm not accustomed to coming to South Potomac and not seeing cots lined up. Uh, uh, we've, we've, uh, Safe Nights has been uh, here for 11 years. We've been doing Safe Nights, and South Potomac has been a site for 11 years. I want to share with you, uh, Pastor, I know we talked about um, what some of the needs are, but I had a young lady come into our office the other day, and she just wanted to come in to say thank you. Um, she was, had a day off of work. Her twins were in school doing really well. Uh, she had gotten promotion on her job, and she was really going back to school. She is a product of Safe Nights. She came through this program, homeless, uh, victim of domestic violence, came through this program, and she is doing so well. Her children are now in middle school, and so many times you hear about what the needs are, but sometimes you don't get a chance to hear and see where your help has landed. And I'm proud that South Potomac has been a part of that for all of these years. So a, a, a lot of the food that we distribute, we do through Lifestyles, which is a good thing. And then, of course, we'll do safe nights in a couple. I think we're due for a couple weeks away, aren't we? Yes. Does anybody know what our date is? Kathy? It's Valentine's week. <laughs> I always want to do, here's, this is my preference. I didn't get it this year. But since you're on stage, I, I'll put the pressure on. We want them here for Super Bowl week <laughs> because, because we have TVs. Oh, okay. Think about it. It's that or they have to watch like Spongebob. I mean, it's just not, not nearly as good. So, and we think the Redskins are going to make it this year all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I know. Are you asking me about yeah. the Redskins no, or no, Super Bowl? No, no, Okay. I was just trying to get the night switched. They love us here when, yes. when we do safe nights. Yes, they do. They yeah, do. We, have, we have great meals. You provide super meals. Yes. Uh, we, we just do a lot for them. So I'm... Um, we're delighted to do that, but then we've done food contributions. Tell us about the latest development. Well, it, it kind of um, piggybacks on, on, on our Safe Nights program. We found through the years that people coming through Safe Nights, um, we've had to adjust because we've had folks getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and having to go to work. And if you know Safe Nights, you're in at 7, out by 7. But if you have a job, we didn't feel like we should penalize the people that ha have a job and are trying to work and not giving them a place to stay. So um, we've been letting people get up early to go to work. And we looked at the fact that we have families. There is no shelter in our community. There's no place for families that's affordable. 
um, God kind of moved us in another direction. Um, as you mentioned, a year ago in the snow, we went traipsing down south on 301 and ended up at the Shine Inn um, with a, a number of pastors from the community and looked at the old um, White House Motel Shine Inn. Everybody, anybody knows where that is? Uh, how many times have you passed that and said it's a shame that it's staying there empty and we have people on the streets? So um, we've moved forward with um, renovating that facility. Um, it's going to be called Southern Crossing um, with the help of uh, one of your the members of the congregation, Terry Barnes. Um, we're, we're moving forward with developing efficiencies, one bedroom and two bedroom units. Uh, along with uh, the building has a commercial kitchen and we're putting in emergency beds. Um, this is truly a walk of faith, but it's, we believe that it's going to be something available for folks in our community that just need a hand up. Um, it's not free. They will be paying 30% of their income uh, to live there and all the supportive services that we'll be providing. We're fortunate enough to have uh, Kathy Evans, who you'll see out there, is our project manager, retired um, sergeant, and so she's been really good with working on this project. Uh, and what we are looking at from our community is not only financial support, but we want local missions. We want folks that are willing to come out there and uh, work with us, plumbers, uh, we, we say skilled or non-skilled. If you've got a group that wants to come out and uh, help with painting and uh, moving, uh, uh, rehabbing, we're, we're looking for that support um, from the community, from our churches. So right now, uh, Safe Nights is going, obviously contributions of food and clothing, that is essential that we keep doing that. But then if you'd like to be involved in that reno, uh, renovation project, there's a booth in the lobby. You can sign up for that, because that's going to get underway pretty quickly here. Right? Uh, it's underway now. So it is. We, we are looking for volunteers now to, okay. to assist with, with a lot of that. Yeah. So, and we have a lot of people with anger management issues here who could do the, <laughs> the demo for us. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. Philly fans, people like that. We're just thinking, yeah. Oh. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I had to bring that back in. But, but... But uh, so it just went from a sacred event to something I didn't mean for it to do. But, but, uh, but the idea of that would be we could go in, gut it, because we need, need to gut it, needs, need to upgrade electrical, plumbing, yes. get it heating, cooling going. There's uh, a lot of work A to lot to do, a full renovation. And the sad part about this, Pastor, uh, as we've gone through there, unfortunately there are people that are um, trying to live there now. Um, and if you would see, it's, it's kind of sad. You can tell, um, I, I had a school teacher that told me that they didn't yeah. know it was vacant because they delivered books to a young lady sure. that's there. Yep. And so we've been trying to help the folks coming through, right. but it's time for us to kind of step up our game. Yeah. We, we, we can't continue. Your, your, your message today, so appropriate, and I just thank you. I gained yeah. so much from that myself it's it's time for us to move forward on this yeah so here's some ways we could do this I, i'm just i'm going to encourage you you need to be in church you need to be in a group you need to find a place to serve but that service piece is going to uh it's going to put flight to what you do in your giving i 
I, I kid you not. It does something that the giving will never do. And I think in, in our region in particular, sometimes when we can't fix a problem, we just throw money at it. But I think for us to go actually do the rental, for us to hand out Bibles, for us to be involved in children's uh, hope chests in Guatemala, and go to Guatemala and be a part of the soup kitchen for a week, that kind of involvement will change your prayers. It'll change your way of, of thinking. So here's what I want to leave you with is this. You know God's been generous to you, right? And you know you've received the generosity began with God. You know it was demonstrated in Christ. And you know, thirdly, that he just keeps acting in generous ways towards you, even as a believer in Christ. Therefore, the response is ours. You're in the drive-thru right now, and someone's paid your meal. So now, will you keep the joy going, or will you just let it stop? That's the question I'll leave you with, because we're going to be the people who pay it forward. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's bow together for prayer, and let's stand as we pray. And before we pray, would you thank these people for joining us today? Gracious Father in heaven, we are, uh, we are humbled by your grace towards us and the fact that you would generously pour out that grace continually. May we be the most generous people in the world. May we be known for that because you're a generous God. And may it come out not just in our giving, but may it come out in our attitudes, in our grace, in, in allowing people room to grow, in giving people the benefit of the doubt. May it come through our hands and our service. May it come through our thinking and our speech. May it come through everything that we do, knowing that ultimately you're the one who uh, is the one who ultimately receives the glory. We sang it, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And may God, may you receive the glory in our lives. We pray this in the name of Christ, our risen Savior, the church says, amen.